TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Good morning, America. <laughs> excuse me. Excuse me as well, America. This is Gun Owners News Hour. There's a new study out. They're they're looking at uh well, they're looking at uh some things. And uh what they're doing is they're comparing Cal- in California they're comparing repeat offenders who post bail with those who were let out with very low bail or no cost under zero bail policies. And they found out that the latter group reoffended more often, more quickly, <laughs> and were accused of 200 times more violent crimes. This coming from Yolo County District Attorney Jeff Rizig. He said the impacts of zero bail on violent crimes are obvious and they're horrific. I mean, we have more people being shot at, stabbed, assaulted, robbed, beaten. These are real victims, and the numbers are staggering under zero bail. Now, this was an emergency zero bail rule that was put in at the height of the pandemic, and what it was meant to do was to uh, minimize the jail crowding. <clears throat> and in a lot of cases, bail costs were dramatically reduced, often to nothing. And... What that basically amounted to is if you got arrested for something, anything, uh, then, uh, when you, uh, you basically be taken in out of the, out of the daylight and then, uh, released. <laughs> you didn't have to wait very long to, to get released. And, uh, well, it's, it's having an impact and, and crime is spiking right now. Crime is doubling or, I don't know exactly what the exact numbers work out to be, but um, some of the prosecutors in in the state of California are now saying that uh, it's a failed policy. And some of them are trying to get the data compiled so that lawmakers, and here's the thing, looking for lawmakers to make a difference in California is sort of silly. He wants to make it available to them to show them that this is not the answer to all of the problems in the criminal justice system. That it's just making things more dangerous. 
Now, prior to this study coming out, this particular DA, Rizik, he did a, a an examination of crime in his county, Yolo County, and the uh, this time the analysis compared bailed out individuals with zero bail suspects as well. And it indicates, now he, in Yolo County, right, this is all based on what he found out, suspects released without bail were rearrested on 163% more charges than those who pasted, uh, posted bail. And they reoffended 70% more often. And those reoffenses resulted in felony charges 90% more often. And they were accused of three times as many violent crimes. Well, why wouldn't it? Why wouldn't they? See, if you get out there and you, uh, there's no consequence for crime. I, there was a, I don't remember which Cheech and Chong movie it was, but like, uh, they were making reference to how, uh, and it was a joke in the movie, right? So there's this marriage party. This, this is in the Chicano community of LA and the marriage party needs to go to Mexico in order to, uh, <laughs> in order to, uh, make it to the wedding. And, um, so they turn themselves into immigration. They all get rounded up and they all get, uh, put on the bus and everything, and Cheech is talking about how well this works out. He's like, hey, uh, not only do they make it to the wedding on time, they even get fed lunch. It was a joke. The immigration the immigration of the time was a joke, and it was actually used to make things better for the ones that were violating. So uh, here, we, here we look at this. This is a joke. Three times as many violent crimes. No bail suspects, also on average, were arrested on new charges within 129 days, 56 days sooner than those who posted bail. And domestic violence suspects in particular also saw a shocking spike in recidivism. Of course they did. They're not. What what are you doing with them? Where are they going to go? They're going to go home. And, uh, you know, in a lot of cases, the victim of the domestic violence, is still going to be home too. Rizik said every single individual in every case should be evaluated by a judge, an independent magistrate who can look at the person's criminal history, look at the facts of the current case, and make an informed decision about what their risk level is and what it's going to take to make sure that they don't go out and harm somebody again. That needs to happen in every case. Now, here's the problem with this. And I talked about this uh, last week. Um, we have a contraction of law and order going on right now. And it's going to keep up. And like talking about this uh, d- domestic violence, let's, let's make this a theoretical domestic violence uh, thing. This is all this is all a theory. Let's say that you keep letting this guy back out, back out. Then one day he's going to come home and his domestic violence victim is going to deal with him. Going to deal with him. And they're going to call it, uh, you know, they're going to call it vigilante justice. The people who are trying to raise an alarm about this right now, because the left wants there to be more crime. The left wants there to be more victims. The left wants the victims to run to them and say, please stop this. And we don't care how many liberties we have to give up in order for you to stop this. Just take them all. But we want to be safe. We want to feel safe. 
in the interim until that happens, if you if you raise the alarm about what this is doing to society at large, then you are labeled a fear monger. Let's talk about Mary Kay Tibbetts in California, in Sacramento. September of that year, they accused uh, police accused Troy Davis, now 54, of murder, rape, and malicious maiming of animals and arson after they broke into the 61-year-old woman's house, attacked her, killed her dogs, and lit the building on fire. He had gone free without bail months earlier on a car theft charge and skipped at least one court date before the attack. Sacramento police arrested him a day after the slaying and revealed he was also an ex-con out on parole with outstanding felony warrants. Dan Tibbetts, the victim's brother, told Fox News Digital that California's Propositions 47 and 57, which reduced certain crimes to misdemeanors and lowered the number of inmates in state prisons, led to Davis's early release. And yet, when you point these kind of things out, you're referred to as a fearmonger. Because what they're looking for is a complete and total capitulation on the part of America when it comes to their rights. They think... But that by doing this sort of uh, cloud and piven overwhelming of the system, you know, you have less police, you demonize the police, so they're not even showing up anymore. They're just phoning it in. They, you know, I would, I mean, I don't know what it would take for me to be a police officer besides maybe being, I don't know, 35 years younger. <laughs> but, there, there's no desire in me now to ever look at anybody going into that profession again, just simply because of the way they treat these guys. Military is all of this stuff has been become politicized. Has nothing to do with law and order. It has everything to do with driving you into submission to where you give up your rights. This, you know, the same people doing all of this stuff. These are the same people that want you to eat bugs. They want to, they want to cancel your gas stove. They want to force you into an electric car. They want to make every major decision you make in your life today. You don't get to own nothing. You don't get to have anything. And you certainly don't get to decide anything. You just get to exist and contribute to the collective. It's like an old Star Trek episode with the Borg. I do declare. But that's what that's about. That's what California is all about. And, you know. As you know, that, that California thinks everybody should be like California. <laughs> we'll be right back. This is Gun Owners News Hour. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. 
Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. back this is gun owners news hour no one's ever going to mistake massachusetts as a pro-gun state just not going to happen but there's one thing that uh and and i mean i i have been not very closely affected by it but i have been touched by it um both sides agree about suicide. Well, we sort of agree because on my side, I sit back and I go, this is a horrible problem to have. On the other side, they go, well, we can just take that data and lump it in with the, the, the low incidence of, which we have a very low incidence of homicide in the United States if you consider everything that goes on. Unless you live in one of the inner cities and you're part of a gang that, uh, you know, your major thing is drug dealing. Because 82% of all of this violent crime happens due to drugs. Unless you're involved in that, you're probably not going to have too many bad things happen to you. It does happen occasionally. Absolutely it does. It is not unheard of. But the likelihood diminishes. So, I look at suicide and I look at why people commit suicide. People commit suicide for a lot of reasons. Uh, most of the time, it's from some outside stimulus that is never, ever uh, addressed, something bad. In a young person, it can be bullying, it can be hazing, it can be, uh, it can be a lot of things. That Being a kid's tough. It was tough when I was a kid, and it's tougher now. As an adult, it, it has to do with what we're told. Like right now, the biggest... Demographic for suicide is my age group, my my demographic, Caucasian men of my age. And that's because we've been told over and over again, unless you've done this by this age and this by this age and you got this much and you got this much going on and you're this successful, you're a failure. And all of that all of that builds up over time. So it would be nice if we could actually rally together to address this. In Massachusetts, right now they're trying to hold a lot of panels, and the folks that are on the panels are upset that the pro-gun folks don't like the anti-gun approach. So introducing a panel discussion on guns and suicide at Cape Cod Community College last Thursday State Representative Michael Day of Stoneham said that Massachusetts gun laws have been effective, but are obviously far from perfect. 
And this was the first stop on a statewide listening tour, which that would be quite the novel thing if they actually did. And he's, he's organized this as part of a review of the laws. Suicides account for 57% of all firearm deaths in Massachusetts. And 20% of suicides in the state are by firearm, according to the Educational Fund to Stop Gun Violence. That's interesting that they're the ones tallying this. The state's rate of suicide by firearm is among the lowest in the nation, according to the data from the CDC. Nationwide, firearms account for more than half of all suicide deaths. Now, Day declined to speculate on what specific changes in the law he was contemplating, but he told the Independent that the mental health aspect is one of the places that the Commonwealth needs to improve. And that's why, that's why he saw the subject as the right starting point for the tour. Now, why are we talking about gun laws when firearms account for just 20% of suicides in the state? And 20% of any demographic is a significant chunk of the total it is still pretty damn clear that guns aren't the problem. If 80% of suicides are committed via other means, it seems obvious that the answer lies elsewhere. And I'm glad that Mr. Day sees the or acknowledges that the mental health aspect needs to be improved, but it still baffles me that he would argue that gun laws need to be changed as well when firearms are only used in a smaller percentage of total suicide. And it sure looks like successful mental health efforts would do wonders for the issue of suicide in the state. But then there's this little bit that sort of bothered me. Barnstable Police Chief Matthew Sonnabend, one of the events for our panelists, said there can be a disconnect between gun licensing authorities and the State uh, Department of Mental Health. He said during background checks, it's easy for an applicant's mental health history to slip through the cracks. If the information doesn't get reported or if the person got treatment outside of their auspices, they wouldn't know about it, he said, of the Department of Mental Health. So, once again, we continue to stigmatize mental health, barring people who seek help from their problems or for their problems from buying guns. And that's a surefire way to encourage people to seek help when they need it, to penalize them for doing so. So someone who doesn't want to lose his guns or his ability to buy them in the future might decide that there's no upside to going and getting help. Or at least not enough of one to warrant the risk. And there are people who are so disturbed to get that sort of an inclination. But if you're talking about suicide, and remember, guns are only involved in 20% of the total in the state, then stripping gun rights from people who try to get help isn't the best way to encourage people to seek help. It'll drive a lot of them to try to seek self-help. And that usually doesn't work very well at all. And it may actually cause more firearm suicides. Segway a little bit before we head to the break here. Duke Nukem is at him again. Swalwell got out there. And no, he wasn't sleeping with a Chinese spy again. Uh, he's back into his Annie Gunn self. On, on Twitter, he goes, it's very simple. You're either here for the kids or the killers. Time and again, Republicans have chosen their side. And he was, he was referring to the uh, Michigan State University uh, rampage shooter. 
I, you know, this frothing rage is predicated on the idea that Republicans actually think gun control works. Why? Why else would it be evil to oppose it? And it can't be because GOP members of Congress believe that the right to keep bear arms is as absolute as they come or anything. And as Zachary Faria writes over at the uh, Washington Examiner, they got re- reason to believe it wouldn't. But, you know, once again, a Democrat, a prolific one at that. I mean, you know, Swalwell is a, it's absurd that he serves in the House. <laughs> uh, you know, we're, we're looking at all this stuff, uh, all these things that are coming out of it. There's a lot of things we're never going to get out of this. But for him to come out and throw that out there is just a little bit like sprinkling a fine mist of gasoline on the fire. Uh, Republicans are not with the killers. And they're not killing children. Their policies are not killing children. As a matter of fact, uh, school shootings are a local phenomena, if you were to look at it. Because some schools have armed teachers. Some schools allow campus carry. You don't see them getting shot at. We'll be right back. This is Gun Owners News Hour. is Gun Owners News Hour. I, I want to tell you something about military experience. Military experience is stupendous. Well, maybe not nowadays, but it used to be. And when I was in the military, I served in Europe for three years, and it was at the height of the Cold War. And um, we did not carry weapons everywhere we went. I was in communications and even though i was in communications i was in a forward deployed uh, mechanized infantry unit so because i was in a tracked vehicle not only was i the driver i was also the dismounted m60 gunner so i did have to train with weapons a little more intensely than your regular camo guy might as a matter of fact i had to train and do a lot of things with the infantry guys that actually proved to be sort of invaluable as I went forward in my short military career. But we don't carry a weapon everywhere we go. So people in the military are not weapons experts, right? And getting out there, and if somebody gets out there and claims to you, well, I was in the military, I was this, I was that. Even the special operations guys didn't walk around with weapons strapped to them every second of every day they had to learn how to do other things too like first aid and communications and breaking into things and making things work and hacking computers and all these other things they had to learn language they had to learn how to in to 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 disappear so there's a lot of things involved in the military profession but being a expert on weapons is not unless you're an instructor of a particular weapon. And a retired Marine Corps Colonel Craig Tucker. 
25 years of Marine Corps service, combat experience, and military expertise, and he's using that now to deny Californians their Second Amendment rights. And he's doing it on a bed of verifiably false allegations of what the semi-automatic rifles of today will do and don't. And he's being compensated for this expert opinion at $200 an hour. He's a for- former commander of the Corps Regimental Combat Team 7 that fought in the 2004 Battle of Fallujah. And he filed expert testimony in Rupp v. Bonta, the case that California's Attorney General Robert Bonta is desperately trying to keep the assault weapon ban alive in California with. And that case was originally filed in 2017. In uh, June of last year, the U.S. District Court's order was vacated by the U.S. Courts of Appeal for the Ninth Circuit and remanded back to the District Court given the U.S. Supreme Court's Bruin decision which expressly forbids the court from using an interest balancing test to decide constitutionality of Second Amendment cases. So, while they're scrambling to salvage what's left of this unconstitutional ban, they decided they needed some help, so they needed to find them an expert. What better than a U.S. Marine? Colonel Tucker, who... Uh, I don't know what field he was in. He supposedly commanded the combat team. But, I mean, listen, being a commander means that you are a and you are so organized and so administratively tight that you make your organization run like a well-oiled machine. That doesn't necessarily mean that you qualify expert with every weapon in your unit. As a matter of fact, it is far from it. You don't even get to touch some of them. And at his level, as a if he was a full bird, um, he might have strapped on a, a sidearm, right? He might have strapped on a sidearm. And I'm not trying to impugn his character. You know, when when I was in the service, we had not started fielding the M4 yet. We started seeing a few of them, but we were on the M16A2. And, uh, well, you know. It had a three-shot burst before that. We had the Mattel M16s that were uh, had the fully automatic. And they were doing all of these things, trying to figure out how we could conserve ammunition and everything. We did a bunch of stupid things. And, uh, you know, it wasn't until I got my M60 that I really became a, I became a big dog. Now, that thing would put some hurting on somebody. But. Let's talk about what the colonel has to say about this gun. First of all, he points out one thing that I've said a lot about the M16. It is a worthless weapon in fully automatic. So, because we train primarily as a means of conserving our ammunition, because we, you know, we have what we carry, um, we train, and, and uh, the whole thing was the whole part of the way we were going to execute the mission would probably be in semi-automatic. So this is how he classifies the semi-automatic firearm as a weapon of war because of the way they train with the fully automatic weapon in the military with the selector switch. But then we go from there to, and, and at, in this point, okay, I'm listening. Then he says a single round is capable of severing the upper body from the lower body or decapitation. Uh, he says the round is designed to kill, not to wound, and makes and both the AR-15 and the M4 contain barrel rifling 
to make the round tumble up on impact and cause more severe injury. You just lost me, boss. You just lost me there. Uh, the reason the round tumbles is because on the round's flight, because it has a boat tail on the back of it, it is wobbling top to bottom. There's a little slight, it's not messing with the signal or with the path or anything, but it is wobbling. So when it does hit, yes, it does tumble. But it's not because of the rifling. Never had to do with the rifling. And in actuality, one of the reasons we went with the M16 is because it does wound. You can kill somebody with an M16 round, no doubt about it. But, I mean, uh, most of the time you're going to wound them and uh, in, in a combat situation. I don't know how many people you're going to kill outright, especially if you don't see them. And uh, for, we know that for every person that gets wounded in combat, you're looking at anywhere between three and seven that it's going to take to take care of him. And we take them out of the equation. They're out of the fight, it's essentially just because they're caring for their fallen comrade. So uh, if we really wanted to be, uh, you know, killing it, we'd be using the 308 or the 300 Winchester Magnum or the 338 Lapua Magnum or the 50 BMG as a regular round because those are all designed to actually kill what they hit with one shot because they have to go to something else. If the M, if the 5.56 were all that in a bag of chips, we could just put a longer barrel on M16s, and that, those would be the sniper rifles. The the 5.56 is not powerful enough to kill a deer. The rifle barrel, barreling remark is very odd. And uh, he's supposed to be an infantry officer. He also claims that pistol grips and adjustable stocks on rifles are especially deadly. He said, in my opinion, based on my military service, that these features individually and in combination make semi-automatic rifles more lethal and more useful in combat settings, as described in more detail. And he passed out a little flyer. <laughs> that it, also, it also lends itself to greater control and more accuracy when firing, which translated, that means they're safer. He co-authored an article in 2017 with two other Marines, and uh, this isn't the first time he's taken on lawful firearm ownership. They attacked the NRA for what they termed as engaging in shameless fear tactics, and they added, we believe that all of our civil liberties are worth defending for all Americans, including protection from use of excessive lethal force by those sworn to protect and serve our communities. And that's all rights, except the full spectrum of Second Amendment rights, apparently. And then, of course, he goes into the fully semi-automatic nonsense. But, you know, at $200 an hour, California's getting a steal on this testimony. They're used to spending a whole lot more on a, for a whole lot less. And uh, it, the fact that it's moronic, and this guy can, you know, wrap himself in the flag, I'm a military officer. It's all for the optic, but... It has nothing to do with expertise. We'll be right back. This is Gun Owners News Hour.
One more time. One more time before we really get into the weekend, eh? This is Gun Owners News Hour. Keith Olbermann has shown up again. <laughs> what he should do is he should start his own show and just just call it I'm Angry because he's always angry. He got on Twitter. We're owned by guns. Only one thing will change that. We must have economic civil war. Blue states must financially starve the red states. The gun lobby, the GOP, the death lobby, and the crooked judiciary into submission now. Keith, you just proved a few things for me there, buddy. See, I don't go by the whole blue state, red state thing. When I was in that aforementioned part where I was talking about my military time and everything, when in when when I was in the military, the friendly forces were the blue forces. And the communist forces were the red forces. And, or the evil ones, right? They were the evil ones. So by the whole blue-red thing, while we're sitting here going with this, uh, the red states are the gun lobby, the GOP, and the death lobby. Plus, by the way, Keith, um, that's why that dreaded commerce clause occurs. I would love to see California get out there and do that, though, because California is dependent upon, upon other states for their for their power and for their water. <laughs> so, yeah, let's go ahead and try to starve Arizona and Las Vegas, or Nevada, rather. Plus, Keith, you're getting old. I, I, you're looking pretty old, bud. He, he, you know, he was the guy. He was on ESPN. He tried to be a political talking head, but he was way too angry and unhinged for that. Now he's nothing but a chronically unemployed former media hack who could never manage to hold a job for long due to his prickly personality and his spectacularly cantankerous, uh, you know. He had a remarkable resemblance to an orifice, let's put it that way. And since there's no one left who is willing to take the risk of employing him again, he now puts out a version of, of his old MSNBC show via podcast. He's probably reaching dozens. And like so many of the anti-gun left, Oberman was very quick to jump on the do-something-hot-take train reacting to the Michigan State shooting. But rather than clownishly calling for an assault weapons ban because the MSH, MSU shooter used handguns, just like Sehun Chung, Sehun Cho, excuse me, while sidestepping the inconvenient role that progressive criminal justice policies played in making the shooting possible, Olbermann, as always had been his want, went further. A lot further. So I can only picture this. Here's this old man. And I'm six. I'm going to be 62 next uh, in a couple of months. Uh, here's this old man staring gravely into his iPhone as he puts this this crucial information out. We're owned by guns, and therefore there is only one way to stop the mass shootings: it's to suffocate the businesses that makes billions of dollars in profits off guns, to destroy the gun lobby, the death lobby, and the Republican Party that defends those lobbies and those businesses. And the only way to do that is an economic civil war. The blue states have all the money. They must starve the red states into submission or another 600,000 Americans will be murdered in the next 10 to 12 years. If he's aware that an economic civil war aimed at crushing those with social and political views that he finds repugnant would 
have a not insignificant chance of turning kinetic. He doesn't seem to care. And there's, you know, there's really no reason to take anything seriously that this guy, he, this is a, this is a hack. He's a washed up crank. Uh, and he only has a very tenuous grasp on reality as he manages to shout out into the vastness of the undervet via his iPhone. I mean, as you're looking at him, what you see is this closeted, bloviated, cardigan-wearing, and I wear cardigans. He, it makes me mad that he wears cardigan, cardigans. But he's a bloviator. He has, he has more self-regard than actual cranial capacity. To get out there and call for a civil war in order to finally put an end to the evil gun lobby and the uh, trademark pending and politicians that at least still pay lip service to the right to keep and bear arms. Now, never mind the assumptions that the apparent, apparently underly Oberman's anxiousness for an economic civil war are ludicrous. Of the 600,000 lives he claims would be saved by nuking the gun lobby, statistics show over 350,000 of those are suicides. And he thinks waging war to decimate big gun will prevent those He's even more delusional than he is, than he looks. He also claims uh, that the blue states have all the money. <laughs> no, the blue states got rescued during COVID, right? They, they're, all of their stuff went away. But because they got rescued and then they had, they've got Biden as president, they're now in the hole again. But then you look at states like Texas and Florida, Ohio, Georgia, Tennessee, and others. They got money. Then there's the fact that the Civil War of 1861 to 1865 began with economic sanctions on southern states, which we lost 600,000 in that one. What America would look like if somehow only the government was armed isn't a concept his big brain can accommodate, and let alone the fact that it was something the founders feared more than almost anything else, and that's why they guaranteed the right. And the likelihood of his hope for economic civil war escalating into a shooting war is significant and not one even remotely worth taking. Too many on both the left and the right have begun to talk in recent years about another civil war as if it is some sort of an inevitability. And they seem to assume that it would be concluded very quickly. And I think it would be concluded very quickly, but it would drag out and the because we would not actually wage the war the way war is supposed to be waged, which is by attrition, uh, because we would not do that, then, uh, you know, it would probably drag on for a long time as the insurgents stayed in place and continued to, to, to dog us. But it is definitely something that should never be taken lightly. That kind of talk is, is very, very bad. Historian and Civil War expert Alan Guazlo he said, there's no civil calamity greater than the two words civil war we have in view today. Not plague, not depression, not even war itself. And it is my earnest hope that no one listening will take those two words into their mouths without anything except a sense of horror and revulsion. The American Civil War was short-lived, but its consequences for the country were terrible and continued to affect the generations that followed. And Americans have endured one civil war, and though by the standards of civil conflicts of world history, ours was comparatively brief, you know, in, in China, theirs was 20 years. The English Civil War of 1642 to 53, 
Civil wars are a very long, drawn-out affair in most cases. But this is why Guazlo warned of those looking forward to a future of an American embroiled in civil war, adding that we must never let those two words pass. That, that should never be said lightly. Now, Olbermann, I'm into the whole Japanese thing. I, 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 love, I, I look at some of the Japanese culture, and I'm very fascinated with some of the disciplines that are involved in it. But Olbermann, one one thing that I would never have, I've never been on board with is the ritual of seppuku, which is uh, you know which what we refer to as harakiri, which is ritual suicide by disembowelment with your own sword. And he's done this with his career many times. He's lost all of his prominent platforms and virtually all of his audience and any shred of credibility he may have once had. And he's mostly just a punchline now with a podcast and a Twitter account. But it is a little more than it's a, it's very disconcerting to hear anyone, even as washed up as he is, announce that the last best solution for the social, political and policy pathologies that have resulted in increased violent crime in America is to wage war against those on the other side of the spectrum. And, uh, you know, it is like Olbermann have uh, no idea what it is they're wishing for. If they were to get it, they... My grandfather had some very sage words of wisdom. The problem with squirrels is you could never let go of them fast enough. That is the Civil War. It would be the squirrel. I have some things I'm going to go do right now, so I will be back with you next weekend. And uh, between now and then, stay awake. Stay aware. Pay very close attention to everything going on around you. Do not become a statistic. Because those of you that do things like I do, you've already taken on the responsibility of being your own first responder. That's what makes America unique on the planet. This has been Gun Owners News Hour. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Got clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.
parts. <laughs>